Welcome into Night Moves HDQ. Inside the lab on this side inspiration. Checking in with you inside the lab is Michael here at the bridge in the captain's chair on a special edition Wednesday night of Inspiration Part 3, How to Break Through. Normally we would head in to cross the bridge, but we're in a special series. And we're, we're calling you out of the forest in part three of Church Hurts, How to Break Through. I'm going to be sharing 12 warning signs, unhealthy warning signs to give to you to enable you to see through the mess, to become free of the mess, and to establish a pathway forward. It's just time to open the windows, open the doors, and let the truth come and apply itself so that you can come through this. It's time for the church to be healed. It's time for the body in Christ to be healed. And if you have been ever, if you have been or know someone who's ever been abused mentally, physically, sexually, spiritually, emotionally, um, and or just hurt, then this is the program that I want you to share with them. And we're welcoming all of our channels at the same time listening to tonight in this moment. And if you listen to the rebroadcast, rebroadcast, excuse me, I'm going to be giving you issuing 12 warning signs. Last show, I talked about the terms, the definitions. I hope I got through them. Um, I got through the first five. There are six definitions, six terms. And I want to go through this last term because I want to get right into it. Um, you can email nightmoodshdq at gmail.com if you want to be a part of the conversation. I'll be glad to connect with you and help you in the moment. And if you want to call in, the lines, the studio lines is 563-999-3685. You can call in. They won't be able to hear you on the live stream, but I can. And we'll get the... Next show, I believe we can do this, we can turn the speakers up inside the studio where you can actually hear the conversation as well. So if you want to talk about this and you have the courage to do so, know this is a safe space to do that. If you don't want to, that's fine. You can go ahead and listen, get your Bibles, take some notes. We're going to be going all in on this. This is a four-part series. We're on part three in this moment. How to break through church hurts. I want to get to this. This is the last term in the definitions of, of, of the words that many of you who have come through or are currently in abuse of situations. And maybe you are underneath an unhealthy, toxic environment. Maybe you're, you have been brainwashed into believing the lie of your oppressor, the, your predator, who says he's doing the work of God. So this last word, this term is called abuse. It's a corrupt practice or custom. And this is a custom. And it's all hands on deck because you have people covering the abuser. And this is the inner circle. They will protect the abuser at your expense. This is an improper or an excessive use or treatment. It's physical maltreatment. It also includes child abuse and sexual abuse. And I want to point this out. Any minister 
who says this is biblical practice or uses scripture to justify his behavior is a liar. And justice is coming swift to this individual. Rest assured. The vengeance is the Lord. It is Father who is upon his throne looking listening and hearing the inner cry of his children and listening to the outward cry of his children and the vengeance will come will be it will be swift when it comes because he's waiting and watching ruling and reigning over the just and the unjust and so this word abuse is to also to treat as so to injure or damage physically, mentally, and spiritually. It's also can be used in an attack on words and how many of you have been attacked by your minister when you have maybe broached this subject or questioned the actions or activities there and of against you or upon you. Now here we get ready. There are 12 warning signs that we're going to get involved in. There'll be a scripture based with this. I'm going to be sharing this with you. And when you are coming through, um, two nights ago, I began with going before the courts. Hebrews chapter 4 and 16, Luke chapter 18, verses 4 and 8. And we do this on the or the relaxation side. Um, Matthew 4, Matthew 18, no, Matthew 6 and 6. You want to address this before your Heavenly Father, before his courtroom. Why? Because you want, his, want him to adjudicate. Uh, you want to, to show up whenever there is a kingdom legal matter on earth happening. And Father is ruling, and he has also the judge who is adjudicating, and you are the plaintiff. And you have an accuser of the brethren who accuses you in heaven. This is Lucifer, Apollyon, himself, his adversary. This is where he accuses you. He accuses you before the courts of heaven. Where is this in Scripture? Well, you'll find this in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. That's happening in a present location in heaven. And then you see the defendant having a conversation in the presence of the angels. Notice it's not the angels who are speaking, but they are presenting themselves before Heavenly Father. Where? That's the location. That's the question. So when we talked about this in series, uh, part one of the series, you have to pray. And this is coming before the throne. This is Hebrews 4 and 16. And you come with confidence. And I address the fact that Father allowed this to happen because there's free will in the earth realm. And there is an accuser, the adversary, who is not incarcerated. He's under the authority of Heavenly Father, but he's not incarcerated. So he's coming, bringing inferior government, inferior authority, manipulation, three strategies and he's affecting and 
possessing and in, uh, inflicting every vulnerable person who is open for his business because he is seeking who he can kill, steal, and destroy. And when he gets into the mind, especially those who have been positioned into the servanthood, whether they're a pastor, a bishop, an evangelist, an apostle, a prophet, a teacher. When these individuals are not commissioned by Lord Jesus Christ himself, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. When these individuals who are adorned, ordained, excuse me, ordained and adorned by their denominations, mankind, their brethren, then you come under an inferior government. See, the commission servanthood, Jesus Christ is their head. And you come under, because of Jesus Christ being the head of the church, the presence of the kingdom of God. So you come under a kingdom government. So your prayer has to be first place. You have to bring your prayer before your heavenly father to ask him to adjudicate, to to. Do exactly what the widow did in Luke chapter 18, verses 4 through 8. She needed relief from her adversary because the one praying on you is now your adversary. He is not the servant of God. Albeit, he calls him a servant of God. He is considered a hireling. He is considered a false witness, a false teacher. Doing the work as he has foolishly believed for God and servants as I talked about this on series one part one serve with the Holy Spirit because he is the leading influence and benefactor and by grace and mercy we serve with Jesus Christ in the presence of the kingdom of Abba Father by the power of the Holy Spirit that is the difference so he first must pray First Peter 5 and 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Luke chapter 18 and verse 4, but pay attention to verse 7 and verse 8. Hebrews chapter 4 and 16, Matthew chapter 18, I believe 16 through 20. Just give me some verses. And then when you pray to your Heavenly Father asking for relief, asking for help, he's, he knows the situation. He's waiting for his child to come before his throne and asking the judge, we do this in a natural court, when you have been offended by an offender, when you have been, hmm, you've been wounded, you've been damaged, and there's a cause for pain and suffering and grief, you will go before a magistrate in the earth realm and you will ask for adjudication. And some will even sue to receive recompense. So you're going before your Heavenly Father to pray, to ask for recompense. Because He cares for you. He wants to see you in this courtroom. And we talked about going before the offender. Because that is biblical. And you have to do these practical things. There are three processes that I laid out. You can check out the last show. And I break those down. 
and that's verse 16, and I think it's Matthew 18. But if when your brother sins against you, you go correct you go and correct him between you and him alone. That's process one. Process two, he if he listens to you, you have gain. That's process one. Process two is if he does not listen to you, you take in addition one or two witnesses, so that by the testimony of one or two witnesses, every matter shall be established. And if he doesn't receive that, then you tell it to the church. That's process three. But you go in the confidence because you have petitioned your Heavenly Father and he sets it up for you. Just like he set up for Moses and Pharaoh. And Moses had to go before Pharaoh with confidence and courage to entreat Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. So you're going to, through those three processes and then you have to forgive. Okay? Why do I have to forgive the one who's preyed upon me and who has caused me grief and who has wounded me and who has damaged me? Why do you have to forgive? Jesus said forgive 70 times 77, right? You have to just keep forgiving. Because you love your enemy. You don't have to like your enemy, but you love your enemy. And the result, if you do the three processes, I want to go back to that real quick, for when you go to him and it's between you and him, and I talked about do this in public, never do this in private, never do this in the church office, never do this where he has control of the setting or the environment and the territory. You do this in public so that if the fool wants to act crazy, phone, camera, play, record. Phone, dial 911, record. Because you have the power and you're taking back power when you do these processes. And so the unhealthy church, 12 warning signs for those of you who may be in an abusive setting in your church. Twelve warning signs to look for. Are you ready? I'm going to break these down. Twelve warning signs. I'm going to come back to them so that you can, we can break these down. We're going to deconstruct these. So I want to call you out of the forest. I want to call you out of your room. I want you to come to the door, come to this trading table. I want you to take a seat because we're going to now begin the unhealthy warning signs. Twelve of them to look out for. And twelve of them to be aware, to be observant. Number one, they create or accept differences in status. What do I mean by that? This is unhealthy. I'm going to go back to that. Um, what I, number one, they create or accept differences in status. Number two, they have a healthy, they have a heavy focus on and talk a lot about developing leaders. They're overbalanced in developing leaders. Number three, they don't see a need for outside help. They are the final word, the final authority in all the matters and dealings regarding the church, regarding their ministry, vision, mission, and who they are as a servant doing the work for God. Number three, I talked about that. They don't, need, uh, they don't see a need for outside help. Number four, their gifts, their talents, and personality are justifications for more control. They don't like to be questioned as, uh, in, at all as well. Number five, 
They behave in ways motivated by rivalry or competition. Six, they accept and enjoy honorific titles. They salivate over this. Seven, their ministry, their agenda, their model or plan is equated with God's will. Number eight, they have trouble collaborating. Number nine, they equate control with protection or shepherding. Ten, they struggle with relationships. Eleven, they approach the Bible with arrogance and apply their own meaning to it. Some of them have even cultivated their own Bible. Twelve, they want to be served rather than being served. These are 12 warning signs, unhealthy warning signs, that you are in a toxic church and you are under a predator who is working in conjunction with the familiar spirit whose leaders seeking who he can kill, steal, and destroy. I talked about the create. Number one, they create and accept differences in status. What, am I, what do I mean by all this? These are unhealthy warning signs. They claim to be leaders without ever living within the context properly of biblical life. In other words, they, they place themselves above the practical pattern of what it is to be living as a son and the responsibility is living as a servant of Jesus Christ to the church. They likely have completed some form of Bible knowledge or training course and have higher levels of commitment. So they're, they're not really committed to serving the flock. They may be hiding in a business suit. But their first establishment is not the care of the flock the care of the ecclesia. Their first business is themselves and their agenda. And they haven't dealt with what they did in the world. And maybe some of them have not even left the world. They just have become a hireling because they know that there's a payout in any form of these denominations who hire their pastors. So these create these special teams these boards, these leaders or elders or whatever, these are special teams. This is the inner circle who are the gatekeepers. These are unhealthy gatekeepers. I talked about these are the creating the, the different differences in statuses. And this comes out of a toxic environment with the intentions to inflict physical pain with the intentions to bring material harm and damage, emotional pain and anguish, to offend, which means to, to violate moral law. This is what I'm talking about unhealthy, because I know the pushback is, well, churches do create a ecclesiastical board. No, 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 I'm talking about, I'm talking about predators who are not producing the fruit putting on display the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're not producing Father's government to the ecclesia. 
helping to cultivate life, bringing forth identifications into ministry, into faith. They formulate all these to bring identification to them because they want to be heard, they want to be seen, they want to be served. They have taken power and authority unto themselves. This is what I'm talking about. They create or accept differences and statuses. And they, they act as the mediators between God and the church. And if you just open your Bibles up and study the Bibles for yourself, your mediator is Jesus Christ. Servants serve you to Jesus Christ. That's why we are servants to the church. We serve you to the door. Jesus says, I am the door. I am, I, no one comes to the Father unless they come through me. So they act like mediators between God and the church, behaving like congregations belong to them and them alone, and they get mad when people in their congregations want to leave, and they believe that when they give an order, it should be followed. They see people as either leaders or non-leaders. There is no in-between. Instead of seeing Christ as a leader who works through all the body parts, right? Because we're all different members to one body. Their superior level of maturity is their justification for taking more control over direction and decisions of the church. Again, they are the end-all, be-all. They do not um, have accountability. And their elder board is their gatekeepers. Meaning, they know how to defend and deflect because they're part of the abusive cycle. There's a payoff there. And they claim that the household order of the church as taught in the New Testament contains fathers and mothers as middle management between God and immature believers. Second warning sign I talked about is they have a heavy focus on and talk a lot about developing leaders. This is unhealthy because they're not di discipling. They're not building and training up disciples as sons and daughters. They're more concerned about developing and recognizing leaders than cultivating the body in Christ sons and daughters into their identity they accept recognition as leader or elder at the beginning of community meetings they, they must be recognized usually because they believe designated leaders are necessary to have a healthy church life so they, there's an overbalance an ecclesiastical approach and three they don't see a need for outside help this is unhealthy they need to be involved in all the issues in the church themselves. Hands on everything. And if mm -hmm. anything has been developed outside of their purview, they make sure they know about it. And then they'll shut that down. And they always have to be a part of the solution. So these are micromanagers. And if there is access to outside help, they dominate that relationship. These are micromanagers and control freaks. And this is a segue into they don't need and don't see a need for outside help. This is part warning sign number three. They need to be involved in all the issues of the church themselves, they need to be a part of the solution. Again, that's the micromanaging egomaniac
Number four, their gifts and talents and personalities are justifications of more control. So they behave like they have special status in the church because they have a specific spiritual gift. Their pedestal, they place themselves on. And they have a high IQ or a certain personality. They have an outgoing personality, an overabundance of an outgoing personality. They need to be the center of attraction. And when they come in the room, all attention must be upon them. They command the stage. They command the performance. They command the drama. Why? Because they're in control. They are typically dominating type personalities who are eloquent in, ver in, 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 verbios, in verbiage and they're charismatic. So I, I talked about this and they're good at speaking and teaching. Recall that they wax eloquent when they speak and they tend to push for the ministry and culture of the church to be built around their own particular strengths and gifts. Why? Because they want control. These are unhealthy. Five, they behave in ways motivated by rivalry and competition. Unhealthy. You can sense rivalry or competition in them and around them. It's not always spoken when you're dealing with a competitive minister, a servant working for the Lord. Pay attention to what he's saying. I'm working for the Lord. Again, servants work with the Lord because it's his assignment, it's his mandate, it's his mantle that he, is, he has commissioned them to do. So we recognize that we take no ownership. So these competitive hirelings, these predators, it's not always spoken, but unless, but you will, excuse me, you will notice actions that reveal a jockeying for position or power, a jockeying for control. This is the ego. This is the pride. They seem to be concerned with success, money, possessions, and status compared to other believers. So they're not so different from the world. And they carry an aura and behave in ways that demand the spotlight. So listen to what I'm telling you. These are unhealthy warning signs. I'm on number six here. They accept and enjoy honorific titles. They must be known by their title. They live through their title. Now, I equate this because I used to be a police officer. That when some put on the badge, they become reckless and they become more reckless, excuse me, because they've always been a reckless person. They've always been a wicked person. They've always been a person of lawlessness. But this badge gives them the authority to effectuate their personality instead of being a person of service. Their badge gives them the credence to act dastardly. So in the same, these ministers who enjoy these honorific titles, they desire and seem to take joy in being called by these special titles and these titles of election these commissioned servanthood titles. They receive exaltation. They like to be exalted when they enter into a room. They allow church members to treat them with a sense of awe. They seem to enjoy their special status. 
more than they enjoy serving. They use terminology that suggests that they are in position of authority over other believers like my people, my flock. Now, this is unhealthy because it's an overbalance. And I do understand that they're in the, in the ecclesia when we talk about our churches. You know, I, I'm a founder of, of New Millennium Faith Church. So the responsibility, there's a, there's a distinction from when those of us who are responsible and we talk about it not as a possession but as a responsibility. So as a charge, but this keyword responsible, I'm responsible over the people of God. So you'll hear us, and for me it's sometimes a challenge when I say that, you know, with my church, when I'm having different conversations and different uh, situations, I'll talk about New Millennium Faith Church and Foresight Ministries in first person. Like this is, meaning this is my responsibility, my church. But I also sacrificed my church to Heavenly Father because he gave me the name of the church. So I have the, the reverence and respect and understanding that this came from him. And as I'm charged in the responsibility, what I possess is mine because I pos he's given it for me to possess. But it's not mine because I have taken ownership of it. Do you see the difference? My people, my flock, is because they have taken ownership. And we don't take ownership we are stewards, managers of Heavenly Father's affairs. Do you understand the difference there? When I'm talking about my flock and my people. It's ownership versus managers, stewards. So you will hear ministers talk about my, but they're talking about my from the management profile. Those who are unhealthy talk about my flock and my people from a position of possession. Seven, their ministry, their agenda, their model, their plan equates with God's will. This is kind of a touchy subject here. It's unhealthy, overbalanced. They leave interactions. You leave interactions with them. Excuse me. You leave interactions with them feeling like you're more part of their ministry, their agenda, their model, and their plan. Servant leaders commissioned by Jesus understand that he has given the mission, the plan, the goals, and the way to do it. But these who are unhealthy, they talk a lot about how you be such a great asset to my ministry. Unhealthy I'm talking about, or the church, and how they'll give you opportunities to serve. Do you see the possession and control versus the responsibility in managing Father's affairs? They bring messianic expectations and place them, those expectations, on the community. Many of your generals fell because of this one deal right here, their ministry, their agenda. Equal God's will. This is unhealthy. And these ministers that need their agenda, their model, and their plan to equate with God's will is unhealthy. And there's a healthy practice to this. I'm going to talk about the healthy warning signs too. But I'm talking about the warning signs, the unhealthy warning signs. They have trouble collaborating. This is number eight. They don't like to co-labor. They believe leaders make decisions and others are to submit to those decisions. And they don't want to be questioned. They seem to be always persuading people to see their point of view and agree to only their point of view. 
unhealthy. They assume leading the body of Christ will become will come through them. Every time the body gathers, they have to be the center of attention. They have to be given the word. They have to give the last word. They don't like collaborating with other ministers. They don't want to co-labor, bring other ministers to give a word of God. They have to check the word of God themselves to make sure that it meets their agenda. Nine, they equate control with protection or shepherding. This is unhealthy. Unhealthy right here. They claim to have more control. Provided that the control is the control is used to provided that the control it is used to serve God and your fellow human beings is a good thing. They believe that peace and unity are accomplished through submission to the order of that leadership establishes. So you have to submit to them. You have to surrender to them. And they equate that control with protecting and shepherding. They believe a lack of humanity. They believe a lack of human authority in a church will cause everything to degenerate into chaos. So they rely on personalities and an organization instead. Unhealthy. And they view the lens, they view a community through the lens of authority. They are the end-all be-all. Unhealthy. And these are, are they that struggle with relationships. Number 10. They struggle to give and enter and have close relationships and intimate relationships. So you can't get too close to them because they don't want their skeletons to be seen. And they falsely believe that their skeletons are hid. And the minute that you begin to disturb their closet, they throw you out of their church. They throw you out of their fellowship. 11. They approach the Bible with arrogance and apply their own interpretation to it. They assume that their English translations of the Bible and their interpretations of them say what the Bible really says. They become a false witness. They become a false testimony. A false example. Number 12, they want to be served rather than being served. Many of these ministers who are doing the work for the Lord, remember, the work for the Lord, take possession and ownership versus ministers doing the work with the Lord. We are stewards over the heavenly affairs of Abba Father, commissioned by Jesus Christ, by the grace and mercy and the power of the Holy Spirit. These ministers, this is unhealthy, this is the last one. These ministers see the output of the power of God that could be amassed if not used with God's wisdom. So they become a demigod due to the feeling of and against false truth. And they are doing something for God when in all truly, in all true truth, when, in all truth, excuse me there, we're servants doing his work in connection and conjunction with his movement by cooperating with the Holy Spirit in complete surrender and complete submission. So as your leader is surrendering and submitted, you follow with your leader. But if your leader is not surrendered and submitted, get loose, get lost from him real fast. Twelve unhealthy warning signs and I'll be here tomorrow to begin the 12 healthy warning signs inside Night Moods HDQ signing off on the radio show until then have a blessed night it's really hard to 
bring forth, and I want to get in this real quick, it's really hard to bring forth an accusation to a toxic church. And I want to go back up here. I broke down as fast as I could the 12 warning signs. Now, if you want the the notes for this this show, email them to nightmoodshdq at gmail.com, and I'll make sure that you get the notes. They can have the, the scripture references, points for the 12 mm-hmm. warning signs. But I'm talking about a toxic church that is extremely harsh, malicious, and harmful to your mind, your soul, and spirit. And these are the leaders. Oh, I want to say Luke 18. Let me bring this up. These are the leaders. And this is what this is talking about. Let me see if I can go to Luke 18. Yeah, let me go here. Uh, these are the leaders. I want to break this down. I want to say it's 40. No, maybe it's 19. Looking at the warning signs. The woes. These are the leaders that Jesus was talking about when they have not entered and they fail to enter into the kingdom and they prohibit you from entering in the kingdom. Talking about these type of, of uh, ministers, not servant leaders, because I'm making a, a distinction. And these ministers have never entered the kingdom and they prohibit you from entering the kingdom from being free from engaging and having a, a relationship with your heavenly father because they need to be the, the mediator they need to be the ones who help you falsely create your relationship to God through them because of this false paradigm that they have been that they have developed that they've cultivated and through that development and cultivation they have bought into this and it's because they are dealing with familiar spirits it's because they have never been taught the truth and they don't know how to live out the truth and they we they did this in the world and they brought their world culture into doing the work for God and they've always come through being affirmed or and or ordained by man. Jesus you'll find chose his disciples who became apostles except for Judas was purpose to fulfill the prophetic words about his crucifixion. But he didn't choose servants who would harm the body who were toxic in character toxic in morals toxic in integrity so your breakthrough and I want to share this with you is to first pray your breakthrough is to first pray your breakthrough after you pray you're going because when you pray as I said you're going before the throne of grace and this is Hebrews 4 and 16. This is Luke chapter 18, verses 4 and 8. But pay attention to 7 and 8. This is Matthew 6 and 6. This is 18, 
and 15 through 17 because you pray and then now you go and do the processes of 18 verse 15 through 17 of Matthew verses excuse me when you pray after you petition your Heavenly Father to rule in this behavior rule in this setting rule in this illegal act activity in Father's kingdom you want him to rule in your behalf. That's what a plaintiff does going before the judge. And it's in your favor when you go and pray to the Father because he knows what you're coming for because he's seen it. He's watched it. He's lived it and experienced it with you because he has allowed free will to stay in the earth. That is why this, this goes on to this day. But those cowards, those predators, those abusers, will have their just day and I have to say that vengeance is the Lord when it comes to his children so after you pray and you 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 when you come through or you're in church hurt and you recognize you're being abused you pray but when you have came out of the church hurt maybe you have not prayed after you pray what you do is you're, you have to do this legally in the kingdom. And when you do this according to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 through 17, that's confronting the offender. But praying first brings forth the courage and it also does something specific. It's in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 16. There are seven spirits before the throne of grace. Isaiah 11 and 2 gives you their names. And these seven spirits, the spirit of wisdom being principal among the seven spirits, help in the administration of Father's heavenly affairs into the earth realm. You can turn your Bibles and turn to Psalms chapter 82 and read verses 1 through 3. So you confront, you confront the offender with surety in faith in confidence, in boldness. Why? Because you've gone to the Father and He now supplies to you His ministering spirit sent to render service to you to help in this confrontation. That's why Jesus lays it out this way in Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 through 17 there. And when all the processes are done, laid out to you, what to do step by step, in Matthew 18 verses 15 through 17 you forgive now you're you're forgiving the person who subjected themselves to a demonic spirit who subjected themselves to the tricks of the enemy who have subjected themselves to a willful intention to do bodily harm and to abuse you because it's twofold some, some just are willfully dangerous individuals, but they're still dangerous individuals governed by an inferior spiritual government because in the world is the kingdom of darkness, is the power of the kingdom of darkness. So there's a spiritual power present. And that's what you have been, all of us have been translated, transferred out of and into Jesus Christ and the kingdom of Abba Father. So you have to forgive. And that's the hardest thing to do as a believer, but 
I want you to equate the abuse to everything that Jesus was abused as he carried his cross on the Via de Rose, Via de Rose, Via de Rose, heading up to the rock in Golgotha when he was when he was crucified there. The abuse that he endured at whom not just at the Roman army, but those Pharisees, those Sadducees, and those in the world that were mocking him. So he became abused as well. So he understands what you're going through. He knows what it feels like. Except we understand that Jesus wasn't sexually assaulted. But he's presently he has the understanding of the vile nature of, of mankind. Thank God he wasn't sexually assaulted. But for those of you who have been sexually assaulted at the, at the behest of your predator, you've been sexually violated, Father's going to deal with that. And he's, gonna, he's adjudicating. He's waiting for you to come before him. So you've come before him. Second, you're confronting the defendant. That's why prayer before the courtroom is needed. You have to go before the courtroom of Heavenly Father and ask for relief from your enemy who did this dastardly deed to you over and over and over and then the church co-signed it. So you have to forgive the body who may have known who may have continued to support the predator because they didn't test all things, prove all things, hold fast to what is true. They didn't test the spirits. They didn't do what Jesus said in John 9 and 24, judge righteously. That means judge according to the spirit for right standing and alignment to Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you find a partner, someone loyal, someone who, uh, if the situation isn't resolved, because now, you, you, what if the situation is never resolved? Because that's what he says in the end of Matthew chapter 18, verse 17. Then for him, it is worse, it'd be as worse as if he was a tax collector and a Gentile, right? And so what if, what if it never was resolved and you heard, well, we'll look into it. Or we're going to do an internal investigation and we'll let you know what comes out of it. But you are never in the, the roadway to find out, you, meaning you never know. You never knew. You never got the phone call or an email or a text message. Or maybe the law wasn't involved. And I want to add this. Because when you pray and you confronted your accuser because you do those things legally in the kingdom first and if you have been sexually assaulted you're going to call 911 okay because you want to have that natural law injected into the situation you you want an investigation done if you have been violated raped sexually assaulted physical abuse that is domestic violence. 
that's an assault, a criminal, a criminal assault. Then you want to find the faith partner, someone who is a competent, faithful partner spiritually, who, who loves loyal friendship and the true understanding of what it means to love your brother as you love yourself. Um, this is your ride or die. This is the one who's walking with you, is not going to leave you, who's not going to judge you physically, who's not going to judge you based upon the abuse, but he's going to be able to help you. She's going to be able to help you stand strong and pick you up when you're falling to pieces and be there each and every time you're falling to pieces. I want to look at uh, this from a different manner. This faithful friend is not one who gossips about your situation. This faithful friend keeps close to the breastplate your fellowship, your uh, willingness to speak through vulnerability, and they don't go and market, promote, and advertise what happened to you back to the church or to the ministry or to anyone associated to that church. They're going to help you by the leading of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom co-signs this, they're going to help you in the healing process so that you don't lose hope in mankind. That's what we do. That's the last thing we want to see happen. Is that, and this is happening, so we don't want to see it continuing, that people leave the church because the church, the body in Christ, could not effectively serve them into healing. The body in Christ in many denominations, in many situations and circumstances, have sided with their pastor, with their quote-unquote protector, with their authority, because he was the mediator between them and Father. Do you see the, the out-of-order in that, the disorder? They didn't realize, they don't realize that Jesus is the mediator. That even in and see, I was going to say, even in my churches, I'm not their mediator. I serve at, at the bequest of my Heavenly Father. So I serve Jesus' mandate, Jesus' mission, and in, in the assignment that He has given me. So I serve with the Holy Spirit. So you have to find or be connected and be open to one whom you have trust in spiritually as a loyal friend, a confidant who is there to help you pick up the pieces when you're falling apart. Next one is number five, re resolve your own past. This is crucial so that you don't continue to re-victimize yourself when there are triggers that happen because of a sexual assault or a physical assault. Abuse is abuse, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And if you don't bring this to your, your our Lord and Savior, this is in Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is a burden. Your past that's unresolved becomes a burden to your future. So, when a, when a hurt or an abuse has been committed unto you, against you, over you. This burden, you do exactly what Jesus Christ says 
and Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Come to me, all of you who are overworked in the mind and overburdened, stressed out. And if you're carrying spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse from your church, you want to bring this to whom? Jesus. Why? Because he would be the only one who can take it from you and will not give you detriment back, will not harm you with what you've given him. And he knows what to do with it. He will bring it to the Father and he will mediate on your behalf. He will trade with the Father and bring and give to you something greater to fill and restore your mind, to fill your hope, to fill your joy, to fill your love. And maybe, just maybe, in that church that you are involved with or are involved with, maybe there are some in the church that have, that have hurt you. Let them go. And you need to get that cleared up. And just by letting them know, you hurt me. You offended me. And you didn't love me as Christ loves me. And resolve that matter when you clear that up. You didn't love me as Christ loved, loved me. And the reality is that when the body hurts you by not loving you as Christ loved you because they sided with their minister, with their pastor, with their board of elders, because they place more trust and value in a human being than more value in the power of the Holy Spirit, the unconditional agape love of Heavenly Father and the redemption and sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for the entire church. And so they let you down. And you address that by simple words. You didn't love me as Christ loved me. I need to clear this up. And address it that way. And I'm saying address it that way because... Any other answer outside of you didn't love me as Christ loved you would draw you back into re-victimizing yourself because you want closure. You didn't love me as Christ loved me and I want closure. I would like for an apology because that's still in line with Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 through 17. So once you have exhausted Matthew 18 verses 15 through 17 you keep it moving and you keep it moving by doing what you didn't love me as Christ loved me so I'm loving myself and I'm going to keep it moving forward so I have to detach from the fellowship in order to continue increasing in love for myself and father's going to connect with you in his timing people who are followers of Jesus who will receive you and help to empower you, help to encourage you, help to build you up. So you want to commit to always an action of love as you go forward and disconnect from the toxic environment, from the toxic atmosphere, from the toxic territory. You, and you repeat this process. And you repeat it until it is exhausted. You uh, repeat it until Father says it is good and well and done.
and he, he affirms it, he co-signs it, and he places you in a different pattern. Breaking through church hurts is never easy. I have never been hurt by the church myself. But I have heard countless conversations that I've had, even recently, of ministers who have been subjected to abuse, to the body who has been subjected to the abuse. And it goes back to the first night in this four-part series where Tim, my spiritual brother, my elder brother, 11 years, 12 years older than me, and my first encounter with him when I first met him in, in Crown, uh, Rensselaer, Indiana, right off of 65, going towards Lafayette. He said to me, before greeting me with, hey, my name is Tim. That's what he said. Michael, don't hurt the bride. Don't hurt the bride. They've been hurt enough. Now, he said this to me, weeping. This grown man weeping who I've never met. I've heard about him. Weeks and months leading up to this encounter that I had with him. And the first thing he says to me is, Michael, don't hurt the bride. They've been hurt enough. So that is my spiritual branding to this journey from when he shared that with me back in 2012. Ten years ago. Around this time, around this season when I met him. Don't hurt the bride. They've been hurt enough. So I can't pretend to think I know what you're going through. But I do have this understanding that the bride has been hurt enough, not by the world, but by the church leadership. And the church leadership manipulated the body that is serving the church leadership into thinking that you've been the, the one and they're the victim. And so the church leader has turned them against you. But your redemption is now. Your freedom is here. You're being liberated and you have a platform. hope this makes sense. I pray that your eyes and ears are open. I pray that the Holy Spirit is engaging you into the scriptures of how to break through just by the presentation of what I've shared. And in saying that, do you have any questions? Do you have any concerns or additional things are coming up and you don't know what to do with them? Simply send over an email, nightmoodshdq at gmail.com. Love to help you scripturally as a fellow brother in the kingdom and connect you with spiritual support in your region, in your area, in your territory. How to Break Through, Church Hurts, Part 3, four-part series. On the next channel, the next show, the next episode, I will be talking about the healthy warning signs to look for in the church and the support that you need to come out from toxic living, toxic atmosphere, toxic environment, and toxic territory with these vipers, these snakes, these hirelings, and these predators. It's time for the madness to stop. And it begins with you. You have the confidence and the spiritual support to begin talking about your hurt and your abuse. It's time for you to heal. See you next time right here in Night Moves HDQ part four of breaking through and how to break through i'm going to help you break through church hurts church abuse until then have an awesome time until you see me and hear me again god bless